Fernandes. What a turnaround. Wow, I mean, Liverpool are stunned. And I thought this place had gone ballistic after the 2-2 equaliser. But it's just gone on another level again from that. Not bitter, just better. The all-new Everton podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to... Oh, it's back to being called Not Bitter, Just Better this week, Mark. I'm still going to be a bit bitter this week. Yeah, we are still a little bit bitter, but the name of the podcast is uh, Back to Not Bitter, Just Better. I'm definitely still going to be a bit bitter. Yeah, we, we, we've got the right to be anyway. Mr Johnny Seven here, as always, with Mark Mach. Hello, and I'm nearly recovered from Saturday shenanigans. My back's done in from jumping around. I, I, can't, I can't decide whether it was from footy on Sunday or just going mad when we scored our second and third goals. I think for a while we, we've said, you know, we, we want a derby that isn't boring and uh, we got one, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, so we, we're just going to talk about that straight away, aren't we? Get straight into it. And the team news came in, and as many people uh, probably expected or wanted, Barkley came back in for Osman. Yeah, he did. Um, you know, I was happy with the Everton team when I saw it. It was exactly what I thought we would get. Um, Osman stepping back out. I wasn't sure whether it would be Osman or Pienaar who might have stepped down, but, but Osman stepped down and went to the bench, uh, and Barkley started. And then we got the Liverpool team in, and we were even more, uh, we were more happy with that, maybe. Yeah, the little teapot, storage on the bench. Uh, Suarez started after flying around the world only what 48 hours before or whatever um, so and Joe Allen started surprisingly in, in midfield uh, and John Flanagan started at left back and I'll tell you something John Flanagan I think is possibly the ugliest player in the Premier League at the minute. <laughs> he is a bit of a mutant isn't he I don't know what's wrong with that lad he is not human do you know when you used to pull faces and your mum would tell you off and say if the wind changes you'll stay like that do you reckon he pulled faces when he was a kid? Yeah, and it was like Gale Force 9 <laughs> that suddenly just cleared up. Sorry, John, if you're listening. Uh, well, we're not. <laughs> yeah, we're not sorry, and you're probably not listening, so who cares? Yeah, so straight in, and the uh, the team news, as, as Mark said, we were both happy with that going in. We thought Ross could, could add a lot to it, um, and as it proved to, to be, as we'll talk about, it, it proved to be correct. But it didn't all go according to plan, did it? No, I thought, you know, before the game started, the the, the atmosphere was booming, uh, it was loud, everyone was singing, uh, I think most Evertonians were, were semi-confident, I'd say, at, at the very least. More confident than, we've, than we have been over the years, I'd uh, say. And then we kicked off and, for, and we started quite well for the first four minutes, <laughs> I thought, you know... We looked like we were going to boss the game, really, for, you know, opening, looked bright to start with, uh, but that was very quickly sort of knocked on the head, wasn't it, with uh, some terrible defender from a corner? It really was shocking. First of all, uh, Suarez found himself free in the box, and then, to rub salt in the wounds, he, he kind of knocked it on uh, to Coutinho, who was also free, so who was actually being marked? 
I've got no idea. I mean, they were playing what was basically a, a four-five-one. So you've got your, your centre forward and your, your deep line number nine, basically both uh, totally unmarked. Your, your two most forward players, and I mean. Suarez is one not being picked up was bad enough, but Coutinho he had time basically to take the ball down, have his dinner, you know, get changed and still put the finish in, didn't he? And it wasn't really it was a nice little touch from him, but um it wasn't powerful, was it? It was it was quite close to Howard, but obviously it was quite close, so but I noticed when watching back on the replays, um McCarthy was stood behind the line. Maybe if he was stood on the line he might have kept that out. I don't want to blame. So. I'm not blaming. No, him. I think what happened there was he basically he's seen the shot get hit by Coutinho, and then he's tried to sort of get across to it, and he's just been off balance, and that's what's made him fall. I don't think he was prepared for it really to to drop to Coutinho and for him to finish in the way he did, because I'm sure he probably thought somebody would be marking Coutinho as well if he's watching the post. Yeah. So nightmare start, and that's the first we heard. First of three times we heard. The fans over in the far corner, only three times. Yeah, I mean, them. you know, you go into derby games, and the one thing you don't want to do is concede early. You know, you, you don't want the atmosphere getting killed. You, you just, you just want to sort of see ten minutes out or whatever, get a bit of composure, start playing an actual game, and and we pray, just press the self-destruct button with some uh, some terrible defender, didn't we? From and from a set piece, which is something usually uh, we, we're normally all right at. Anyway, uh, our, our atmosphere didn't really change. We were still, I mean, it was a little bit, little bit worried after that, but we still got behind the team. And about four minutes later, um, our own set piece, and it kind of got knocked on by Barkley, kind of, and uh, into the path of Morales, who managed to get there ahead of Gerrard and put us back on level terms. Yeah, eight minutes in, um, the perfect remedy to the shocking defender, really, you know. Early goal goes in. We need to get straight back into the game, and we do. And, uh, and up pops Kevin Morales. Um, nice little finish. I thought. I thought Skittle should have done better. It was a terrible effort, a defensive header. Yeah, well, there was there was two. I think Barkley was sandwiched in between the two of them, and he he, he didn't make any like head and gesture, but it, it seemed to go off his head um, in, into the path of Morales. And as you said, Morales did well to kind of get us foot on it and poke it at an awkward angle um, ahead of Gerrard of all people and we talked a lot about Morales uh, and how we needed him to come good and he definitely started to in, 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 as early as the 8th minute he did yeah um, and obviously that picked uh, the atmosphere right back up again then and, and it was game on um, little did we know that this was going to be pretty much the, uh, the story of the game backwards and forwards yeah so this, this next one uh, I, I couldn't believe this. It was, what, 30 yards out, Suarez going away from goal. Um, I, was, was it McCarthy? Somebody stood on the back of his leg anyway, and at first I thought he went down a little bit easy. But it, was, it was Gareth Barry. Oh, was it Barry, yeah. Barry, um, and it was a poor one to concede because, he, as I say, he was going away from goal, and he didn't do him as well as he should have done because uh, he got back up and, you know, he did the biz, didn't he, unfortunately? Yeah, I mean, you know, when you, you looked at the free kick, and we, we put quite a quite a big wall, I think about five or six people in the wall, and when you see, the, you know, initially when he's hit it, uh, you've thought, and it, it's just gone in the bottom corner, you thought, how has that gone in? 
Unfortunately, when you look on the replay, it's probably gone in because Pienaar's turned his back on it. And well, you know, there was a lot of criticism over that, and you know, over Howard's Howard's placement of the wall. It's like I, I, you know, I, st- I was ranting and raving because I was I was fuming about it, and I said, why even bother having the wall if if you're going to do it like that? But I don't think there was any criticism to be made there. Um, if you look, you know, Pienaar was like in a charging role but he's managed to curl it in between I, I, it was just perfect placement I thought it, it was a, you've got you know you've got to give people credit sometimes haven't you? and, it, and it's, you know we don't like giving Suarez credit because he's horrible but you know it was a great finish I'd like to have seen it from great placement from you know the, 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 the kicker's angle Do you know sometimes you can see how far it swings out because I, he swerved it right around the wall in between Pinar on the wall and you know it went out and then back in so I don't think a whole lot could have been done about it apart from maybe stick someone on the post and then you're taking someone out to play there so I mean what, what I do want to mention just before we move on from this goal is obviously the, the, the nature of the game was, was just backwards and forwards wasn't it it was like attacking at both ends I mean just prior to giving that free kick away in Liverpool's second goal uh, I don't know if you remember, but Pienaar had put Lukaku in, yeah. and we should have been 2-1 up. Lukaku had gone, and, you know, where we were sat in Gladys, there was even a bit of a show for a penalty, wasn't it, at first? Because we thought Mignolet had brought Lukaku down. Uh, you know, once you see it from a different angle, he never. And it was a great save, really, to give him his due. Um, but, you know, that could have very easily been 2-1 to Everton. Yeah, you would have put your money on him, wouldn't you? Was, if he did, once he made the touch. And I, I had a, a mini kind of vision of uh, Everton getting a penalty and because uh, Lu- uh, Lukaku going through on goal and Mignolet bringing him down and Bain scoring the penalty and I thought oh, you know it's come through it's come through here and um, you know he, he just made a good save in the end and went off for the goal kick um, So following them going up 2-1 uh, it tended to keep the same pattern you know it seemed to me that Everton were sort of dominating the possession uh, but possibly Liverpool were being a bit more incisive with the ball when they, when they had it. Um, but I thought really for you know for periods of the first half there when we two one down we we were dominating the play. Uh, it was backwards and forwards, but nothing really. There was no major chances I can remember. There was there was a good effort from Barkley where he he, he picked the ball up and he, he the curler towards the far yeah, post. He, um, yeah he he dribbled towards the the, the their corner flag, cut back in. And then right on the edge of the penalty area, killed, killed it round, and it was some somewhat of a cross shot, but it really tested uh, Mignolet again, and he got down well to save it, pushing down the post. So, o- other than that, I mean, the, the other talking points of the first half, should we go on to them now? Well, just quickly, I mean, while we're talking about Barkley, uh, he also picked up a booking for diving about half an hour in. Which <laughs> well, seemed like a, it seemed like a daft booking that to me. I've not seen that one again. I mean, we've looked at a lot of the we've talked about. The, um, sorry, we've we've seen a lot of the talking points of the game, but that's just kind of been washed over a little bit. I've not not even seen that of you. Uh, I have seen it since yet, and I don't think it was a dive by any matter. You know, it, you know, it wasn't the worst I, challenge in the world, but it was just one of them. I don't think he could stay. Keep I balanced. think there is some grey area, isn't it? It's like sometimes if you you're not fouled. You can still go down, just through momentum. You know, you you, you can either hit the ball or just your momentum will carry you over because you're trying to avoid a challenge. So I think that really needs to be looked at for blue players, not for red shades. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, as what I think you were alluding to, then in the 34th minute, um, if 
Kevin Morales hadn't cemented him, himself as a hero to the Goodison faithful by scoring the first equaliser. Uh, he very much did with a, a rather nice tackle, shall we say, on, on Lewis Suarez. Yeah, I think it was a header away, and um, it was an awkward height for two players to challenge. <laughs> and uh, so Morales, who earlier said uh, in the, in the game. When he was uh, stood next to Suarez, he said, uh, remember last season, you kicked me. <laughs> is this what he's meant to have said? This is what he's meant to have said, uh, yeah. Where is this? Who's reported I don't know. This? This, this, is, this, is, uh, this has came out in reports since. I remember when, when Suarez kicked him last season and put him out for a good... Well, four and a half months. Four and a half months it was, yeah. And he did this time the same as well. And, yeah, and I then, remember that. And then went it's on funny, t- though, because it seems to be on Facebook that, it's, like, you know, 200,000 Liverpool fans are forgetting about that. Well, memories, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, so apparently that's what he said. And uh, so when the time came for a 50-50 challenge, let's just say he didn't hold back. I thought it was a fair challenge. Do you know what? It's been slowed down and I, I, I don't know. I wouldn't like to say that he went in to do him. I just think he's not a very good tackler. <laughs> it's a striker's challenge, isn't it? That's what it is. It's a forwards challenge. He doesn't tackle. Let's face it. Out of our whole team, who tackles the least? It's probably going to be Morales. Probably Morales, yeah. So, but as challenges go over the years, if you, you know, if you compare them to, you know, Gerrard's on Naismith a few years ago, uh, Dirk Couts on Neville a few years ago, not in the same league. Nowhere, in it. and it's been it, he's it's been all over the place, you know, and he's been crucified over it. But we think he did well. The only thing we can criticise him over is he didn't hit him hard enough. Yeah, yeah, he probably should have. If he's going to do that and take the buff, and he should have took him out the game. But uh, it kicks off a bit, didn't it? And the Liverpool physio ran on the pitch uh, and started fronting up to to the ref and saying something along the lines of, "I've seen it, I've seen it. Get him off. He needs to go." About Kevin Morales. Well, imagine the physio getting sent off. It's not the physio's place, is it, to come on nope. and to start telling the referee how to do his job. Uh, and then, you know, a few people have got shirty because I think it was Jack Yelker or something took hold of the physio, didn't he, and told him to behave himself. And, uh, and apparently that's, that's, the, that's the worst thing they've ever seen, according to Liverpool fans. Yeah, it's just, it's just <laughs> stupid. I can't, even, I, can't, I can't think of another word to describe him apart from stupid. Um, so, but the next uh, the next kind of talking point was uh, the ball went up, and again seemed to be a fifty fifty. Gareth Barry going up with Stephen Gerrard, and it looked like Gerrard's elbow was high. Now this was a disgraceful challenge. This, this was, was a straight red card all day. Right, this you know we've seen this again in um, replays, and people have said you know he, he didn't elbow him. I don't care if he didn't elbow him. We've had players sent off for far less than this. Remember when Van der Meijer got sent off for having his arm off in a derby a few years ago? If you go over the top of the ball at someone, it's the intent that that gets you sent off. You can you can you can miss. You can not make contact with the player, and you can still be sent off. Surely, throwing an elbow in is the same. He's led with the elbow. He's led face height. You know, he's not going to do anything except serious damage unless Gareth Barry gets out the way of that. Yeah, so that's a that's a red card. So you know they kind of balance each other out a little bit. I think uh, I'm not just being blue. I just you know that's 
players have been sent off for far less, and that is a red card having your elbows up like that. So, do one. Uh, but anyway, that takes us into pretty much half time and two so, one down. Two one down at half time. Um, I thought we played quite well. We'd conceded twice, but other than the two goals that had gone in from the set pieces we've talked about, I don't remember Liverpool having any real clear cut chances that they created themselves in the first half. I actually thought this Dan and Jagielka were having a decent game, even though we were two one down. Yeah, uh, you know, from the set piece, I'm not sure whose job it was to mark. Suarez and Coutinho but I wouldn't have thought it would have been Distan and Jags because they picked up the big men I'd imagine would you? Yeah Yeah so somebody wasn't doing the job there um, so 2-1 down I can't remember us feeling that down about it can you? No I mean there was still you could tell from what had happened in the first half that there was going to be more goals in the second half so it was just a case of I still felt, I definitely felt like we could get a draw out of the game at that point to 2 1 down at half time. Um, you know, and I, I still felt fairly confident we could go on and do something and I'll make it a special day. Anyway, uh, the second half starts, and uh, early on we're thinking. Um, no changes at half time. No, no changes at half But early on we're thinking, you know, uh, Osman came out. Back out to a half time late, so we're thinking maybe he's going to come on after about maybe 10 15 minutes. And a substitute did come five minutes in, but it was Leighton Baines who went off. And who would you bring on for Leighton Baines? Would you think? Well, it was it was bizarre, wasn't it? It was. It was a really really bizarre substitution, um, but it proved to be a good one. It was uh, our, our mate Dayula Fowl. Dayula Fowl. The kid from Barcelona came on. Uh, and, and basically there was a bit of a reshuffle on the side uh, Barry went back to, to left back uh, We've seen we saw, that over the years Yeah, we? we saw Pienaar come into the middle uh, And obviously Delefeu started uh, out on the, the left hand side basically, didn't he? Right, right, right hand side, right, yeah Right hand side, sorry Yeah, left hand side as we were looking there Yeah, it was, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I always get perspectives confused it's, it's a hard thing to work out that left and right from other angles um, yeah, but obviously he's, he's gone out onto the, the, the right-hand side um, and a bit of a reshuffle, and uh, it seemed like a bit of a masterstroke, didn't it? Yeah, within, what, a minute? <laughs> a minute or two of coming on. Uh, great ball played out by Morales, and obviously he's got a bit of pace on him, Delefeu, and he's one-on-one with Mignolet, and you're thinking, of all players, you know, we've seen his skills, you're thinking, oh, he's just going to dink him here, he's going to immediately make himself a uh, Goodison hero. Scored in a derby. And he just put it too close to Mignolet's feet, hasn't he? Well, he tried to nutmeg him. It's clear. If you watch it slow down, he clearly tries to nutmeg him. And it's one of them, isn't it? If he nutmegs him there... He looks like a hero. He's like the greatest thing ever, isn't he? That, that's what I mean. So, And he did everything right. It, but it was just, you know... It's easy to say he should have dinked it over him. But he used to say if he dinks it, it doesn't go over the bar or it doesn't go wide. I'd have, I'd have loved to have seen that though of course I mean but what I will say is I've criticised Delafeu on this podcast a number of times uh, and you know don't get me wrong I'm a blue and I want the lad to come good I want him to be a good player and for the first time so far since he signed for us um, I get it about him now I saw something in him in this game I thought he, he frightened the Liverpool defenders. Definitely. I mean, there was, there was a few occasions which we'll talk about. He's just got such, such quick feet. 
that he could definitely he could win a penalty every game more and he can create chances every game. As we talked about before, same thing with Barkley. Sometimes the decision making isn't the best, but I think if he gets more involved as the season goes on, it'll be a really, really exciting way of finding out. So, anyway, it- so the backwards and forwards kept going. We had chances down near end. Um, we're still two one down. We're getting back into the game. Oof, yeah. Delafay, who's you know causing havoc. Uh, next minute, Liverpool break, uh, and let's face it, we thought we were three one down, didn't we? Yeah, so Suarez is trying to bundle his way through, as usual, seven deflections, and somehow it ends up at the feet of Joe Allen, who's in like a makeshift support striking role. I think we need to count our lucky stars that that was Joe Allen and none of the other Liverpool players, because any other one of them on the day, I think, would have been easy. Yeah, uh, I don't know what it was. I don't know what he was. He tried to uh, give Howard the eyes, but I think he gave well, he did, No, he did give Tim Howard the eyes, because Tim Howard... I dived even before he took the shot. Tim Howard was already on the floor. Yeah. I think he gave himself the eyes though, didn't he? Yeah, I think he did, yeah. So he's got, what, 95% of the goal to aim for and from about seven yards out, he puts it wide? Yeah, I think we just just passed the penalty spot. Well, in. So it was about 10 yards. It was about 10 but, yards. But um, just amazing chance for him to put it to 3-1 and that really would have been unfair on us. But, you know, that's not the way it goes, is it? So, um, unfortunately, he put it the wrong side of the post. And then straight away after that, really, it was back up to the other end of the pitch and Lukaku finds himself sort of coming in from the, the left-hand side, one-on-one with Mignolet, uh, and another great save from Mignolet. Yeah, at first, when he made that, you know, that first touch, I thought, oh, he's knocked this too far here. But it turns out to be an amazing first touch, put it right into his, his path. Uh, and I, I still think, I still stand by the fact he, he, he should have done a little bit better. He, he could have. He, he did try and dink it. But it was there, wasn't it? It was there to just lift it over. And we know he's got quality, so... Anyway, yeah, he didn't manage to do it that time. Uh, so then we, we sort of start, again, Everton, I thought, started taking a bit more control of the game. Uh, a couple of chances, I think Barkley had a shot which Mignolet saved, uh, and then 72nd minute, uh, we were right back in it. Well, yeah, so it was a free kick, similar position to where uh, Suarez had his, about 30 yards out, quite central, and obviously no Baines on the pitch. So uh, Lukaku fancied it and didn't fancy placing it by, <laughs> by the look of it because he was taking a bit of a run up, and then. Yeah, he, he, he as, as a Stubbsy type effort, let's just say, if you've seen Everton over the years, Alan Stubbs, he didn't really go for placement, did he? No, it was it was sheer power, wasn't it? It's uh, it's hit the wall, uh, ricocheted off. Uh, I think it got kept in. Was it Morales or Delafay who managed yeah, to keep it it's, in? It's saved, and Mignolet saved it quite well because it, it was wrong footed, and he put it he put it out, and I think it was Morales who picked it up, and I was like, I was shouting, "Stay calm, stay calm!" And he must have heard me because the two players instead of just you know, as you see in these um, occasions so often, the, uh, the the rush and the play just you know gets blasted over because rush of blood to the head uh, between them. They carved out a decent opportunity, kept possession, and put it on a plate. And uh, it went back to Lukaku when uh, we started what may now be known as the Lukaku derby, perhaps. Yeah, um, I, I, I just if, if only. Um, but yeah, decent effort and back on level terms and c- continued to look likely. 
after yeah. that. I mean, and that really picked out the, the spirit of the crowd up, didn't it? The Gladys then was in was in full voice. Um, so, just leading up, uh, there was a, a you heard off the top there, you know, what was to be the third goal, which was uh, obviously Lukaku's header. But leading up to that, and um, we'll talk about that in a sec, um, Delefeu had another couple of bright spells where, uh, of possession where he went through. He had a couple of decent efforts from wide. Um, first one, I think, was the best one. Uh, he, uh, it was saved by Mignolet's foot. Um, and the second one was from a wide angle where maybe he should have passed. He, he, might, he might have chipped to the far post, but won the corner, which led to... He, well, just on that subject of Delefeu, I mean, he does have this amazing ability just to glide past people, doesn't he? Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I'm still going to call into question, that, you know, is a bit like Ross Barkley, really, you know, his decision-making and his ability to release the ball and have a bit of end product, but... He just seems to just be able to go past people at will. Yeah, and well, hopefully as he gets a little bit more mature and gets more chances, you know, that will come because he, he, he just tore them to pieces at times. Um, and it's definitely a different option. Uh, and it was a, a shot from Delafeu in the 82nd minute that was saved by Mignolet that led to, yeah. led to a corner. Uh, and as we said at the cliff on the start coming in, um, we know what happened from that corner. Yeah, um, so Morales whipped it in. Obviously, Baines again not on the pitch. So Morales whipped it in, and I've seen, you know, the fact that you know we're we're unhappy that uh, we conceded three goals from set pieces, but we scored from three set pieces as well. We did, yeah, yeah. So um, it's 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 one of those, isn't it? It's, uh, but we had a lot more one-on-one kind of opportunities. But anyway, Morales whipped the ball in, and. <laughs> What a header. And uh, Duncan Ferguson in disguise rose up at the, at the near post and boom, top corner. It was a, a very Duncan-like uh, header, wasn't it? Yeah, Duncan Ferguson with dreadlocks. <laughs> and uh, Sturridge, who was on the line, just stood there doing his little dance because he couldn't get anywhere near it. But a uh, great header, great goal and craziness. Yeah. Absolute bellum madness. It, it was, it was just utter... Utter, utter, unbelievable celebrations after after being one 0 down, two one down, and then three two up. We just we started to believe. I think <laughs> at this point, I have to hold my hand up and make an apology to the girl who I sit next to at the match. Uh, she is now sitting at home with a black eye after I elbowed her full in the face uh, from celebrating that goal because it all went a bit crazy and mad. I, I can't remember whose back I jumped on. There was just a few, a few people. that was on two people's backs, and just amazing, amazing celebrations. I remember celebrating with this lad who I've never met before in my life, or never see, even seen him at the game. Like we were, like you know, best mates forever, and I've got no idea who he is. Mm-hmm. That's so what it does. That's what it does for you. Brings people together. Um, and so we're three two up, and at that point you're thinking. We've won this, you know. There's, there's only going to be one winner now. The momentum's turned, um, and but basically what had happened is Matt, Matt, Robbie Martinez had decided on a substitution before we scored, yeah, uh, which was to bring John Stones on uh, and go into like a, a back three basically. Um, so we score, we go three two up, um, and he still makes that substitution. And this is my one little criticism of him here. I think maybe that was a mistake. I think when we've gone 3-2-0, we should have kept it as it was. Because we, uh, we looked a better team. Because we looked a better team. 
from that point on, from that goal and from that substitution, in all honesty, Liverpool battered us. But you know, the game changed. That three, we we were weren't chasing the game anymore. It was three two, and we still had opportunities. But you know, it was open. So I don't know. There's nothing to say that they wouldn't have done that anyway. So and you know, they got. What what I will say is. Uh, it was a very, very poor free kick to concede. The ball's just going out for you know, out towards the corner and throw in. And Sylvan, who thought we thought had a decent enough game, um, he just doesn't have much luck in derby games, does he? Is he uh, he got he got blew up for a um, high foot on Moses. Yeah, which led to uh, an equalising goal from Daniel Sturridge. What a beaut that lad is. Yeah, I mean you just basically, if you're, you know, you play for Liverpool, you've just play, scored what will be the equalising goal in probably what will go down as one of the greatest derbies ever. Um, you've just brought your team back in there. Do you run 30 yards across the pitch to your, your own supporters and celebrate with them? Or do you turn around, run the full length of the pitch uh, and be an absolute knob and start dancing in front of the Gladys Street end? Well, he apparently chose the latter, so it just says it all for them. You know, he doesn't want to go and celebrate with his own fans because he hates them, and they hate him because, let's face it, they're a bunch of knobheads. Um, and he, 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 as Mark said, he, he goes down and celebrates in front of, does his stupid little teapot dance in front of the Gladys Street and family enclosure because somebody was shouting stuff at him apparently in the family enclosure. Is that why he done it? Because yeah. someone was shouting. Oh, boo hoo! You're only on 120 grand a week or whatever you're on. Gobshite. Does he forget that all the Liverpool supporters used to shout Chelsea rent boy at him every other week? Like? Yeah, they've got short memories, haven't they? As soon as they set foot in Melwood or you know put on put on a red shirt, they just the memories just go. They're not Melwood anymore, do they? I don't know. Where did they go? Did they go in Kirby or somewhere? Pass. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, anyway, who cares? Uh, yeah. So an equalising goal and not really there wasn't much to talk about after that was there I mean it, it, that's how I finished three all and uh, I've gone to admit it felt like a defeat didn't it yeah they, you know they, they had a couple of half chances which were neither here nor there we had the last bit of possession where you know we should have had a corner but the ref blew up but yeah kind of uh, blew the whistle on it was probably maybe a fair result would you say it's gonna go. It's gonna go down in the memory, isn't it? Is one of you know. It's gonna be up there with the four four and be regarded as you know a great derby. If you were a neutral watching that on BT Sport, you would have been having a field day watching that. That is, you know, BT Sport has been a bit of a joke so far, but that has got to be the best advertisement for BT Sport that there is, that has been so far. So I'm sure if you're not looking at it through red tinted glasses or blue tinted glasses, then it was a fair result. I would have thought. Um, but just the way that we battled to come back, um, you know, I felt like we dropped two points there by conceding that late goal. Um, but it was a great game. Yeah, we'll just touch quickly on um, on match performances. Uh, who would you have as your man of the match? For Everton? Yeah. I would go for James McCarthy. McCarthy. McCarthy was a popular choice um, when we put out on Facebook. I'd say either McCarthy or, uh, McCarthy or Ross Barkley. McCarthy? McCarthy is like a, a, a... If we combine and we could... McCarthy. Make a clone of the two of them combined and call it Ross McCarthy. I like it. Um, um, yeah, I'd go with Barkley. Barkley, because he, 
he, he did come back in and he, and he made, you know, he, he did have a lot of possession and the majority of the time played a decent ball. So, do you know what? What? Why I'm just going towards McCarthy. If you go back and watch the game, right on highlights, you probably won't pick it up as well on highlights. But if you watch the full game, right, have a look at James McCarthy's face every time Suarez is by him. You can just see pure hatred in his eyes, and that is why I give him one of the match because you can tell he hates Luis Suarez with a passion. Doesn't everyone? Yeah, but McCarthy's just got a way of showing it. He's got killer eyes, and that's why he gets my man of the match. But you could also give it to Morales for just just for the tackle. Oh yeah, that's what that's what I was going to say. Morales, you know, we had a hand in all three goals, so he's a lot of people's choice for man of the match. Um, and Lukaku for scoring two goals. Can we just give it to Belgium? <laughs> yeah, because Mignolet had a good game as well. To be fair to the lad, right, I want to I want to ask you this. Do you think Lukaku had a good game? He scored twice. As a striker, you know. I know, well, that's, that's it, yeah. He scored twice, he created problems, he, you know, he, he had that one-on-one. He, he was there all there about, so... Yeah, for a striker, that's a good game. I think, at the moment, we expect him to be some sort of week-in, week-out superhero who, who's going to like run games for us, but he's a centre-forward. I don't think he did a good job in the first half at all, if I'm honest. I don't think he did a good job of holding the ball up. Uh, he didn't really win anything. But then he, he did what mattered in the second half and he scored two. So, you know, measure him on that. And he had, I'd say he had a good game overall. There's two schools of thought. Often at this game, you can say it was a great attacking game and everybody played well. Or you can say that it was a terrible game defensively and nobody really played that well and that's why it was so open. But... Yeah, I mean, you know, I enjoyed it. My man of the match goes to James McCarthy. Um, I think overall, man of the match, you have to give it to Mignolet because without him in goal, we probably would have walked away with the game, probably 6-2. Yeah, the knobhead. Uh, <laughs> we are still being bitter. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, anyway, so we'll leave our reflection around there. Anything to add? Or should we uh, hand it over to Big Bob? No, uh, we were with... Uh, Bob Latchford after the game uh, in one of our the lounges that we were helping to run on on Saturday, uh, and I believe he had a few words to say about the the game. What do you reckon, Bob? Um, did we claw that back or throw it away? I thought we threw it away. Um, bit deflated, bit disappointed. I know the players are as well. I was speaking with Liam Osman and uh, he was saying that all the players are a bit down. But manager, manager isn't. Funny uh, enough, he's very upbeat. Uh, I said to him, uh, Roberto, did he take it? He said he's still very upbeat. He said, look, we can put those set plays to right. We can get those right and, and stop those goals going in. Um, we played some good football. He said, got forward, created a lot of good chances. Which we did second half. Uh, we just didn't take enough of our chances. Uh, but... Uh, we, we took uh, we took some, and the big man up front scored a couple of good goals, um, edged in front. But we went to sleep occasionally. Yes. Throughout the whole of the match, we went to sleep occasionally. Uh, concentration levels weren't as high as they could have been. Uh, but it, for me, it was a cracking, cracking derby match. That's that's the first derby match I've ever seen since I stopped playing football. So that was Bob's thoughts on the game. Um, 
Apologies for the sound quality on that, uh, but let me tell you, it is ridiculously difficult trying to record uh, an Everton legend in a room full of 130-ish bladdered Evertonians following a three-all derby. Um, So we do apologise, but I think it's still very interesting to listen to Bob's thoughts on the game, uh, and hopefully uh, there'll be more of our little speech from Bob uh, after the Hall of Fame on the end of the podcast. Yeah, I'll see what I can can do with that. Uh, And we're going to leave the derby there and go on to some Everton news. News! So it's not going to be all about the derby this week. We have actually got some Everton news as well. Isn't the first bit of news something that happened in the derby? (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately. some, uh, Some bad news this week. And that is that Leighton Baines actually fractured his uh, toe. Metatarsal, Metatarsal is the scientific term. Metatarsal, yeah. Um, Wayne Rooney made it famous. And it's those daft boots. Those daft boots. It's a, them boots, they gave you no protection, them boots. In my day, we used to wear big steel toe cap boots, we did. Yeah. And so they gave Kevin Morales steel toe cap boots the other day, so that would have been good. Yeah, that would have been good. But he's out for six weeks. As a result of that, and I believe you've got a question for me, haven't you? You know what's coming, don't you? Has he played his last game for Everton? He's played his last game for Everton in November of 2013. Well, the conspiracy theorists are all out in force, as usual, saying that, you know, maybe this injury isn't as bad as it's deemed to be, and it's an easy way of pushing him out of the team. Transitioning him is the word I believe. No chance. If he wasn't injured, he wouldn't have gone off on Saturday. That's it's ridiculous. I know it's stupid, isn't it? Um, I do think maybe though. I think there could possibly be a chance we have seen him play his last game for Everton. I don't know. I really, really don't know. I'd like to say it's not, and he comes back better than ever in January. Well, I'd like to think so, and you know, we're getting varying reports all the time, are we not, that Man United want him, then they don't want him, then they do want him again, so who knows, fingers crossed, we haven't seen him play his last game for Everton, um, be a good game to battle out on though. Yeah, um, but with that injury, it's posed a real question this week, uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about who we think will come in when we talk about the Stoke game coming up in our Stoke preview. But in the, over those six weeks overall, who's his replacement? Well, that's the million-dollar question, and we're going to see what life without Baines is actually like, aren't we, really? It's going to be a so, bit of a taster, yeah. Um, I would suggest... Are we going to talk about this now, or are we going to talk about this later? Well, I think it's, it's more of a, an overall question than just one game, so I think we talk about it now. Well, I would suggest that the question's already been answered by what Bobby M did on Saturday when we lost Bainsey and I think it's going to be just that way I think Barry will play left back uh, we'll bring Pinar or Osman into midfield and Delafeu is going to go run So that would appear to be uh, option number one I think that is going to be the only option um, How long now have Evertonians been crying out for for Delafeu to get a start um, nobody probably predicted that it would be because Bainsey gets injured but if you look at it on paper, that's probably still our strongest eleven. Then, if we put Barry at left back and 
move one of the... You know, because we all know both Osman and Pienaar can both do a job at central midfield. But if Oviedo was on the bench on Saturday, wouldn't he have come on? It's one of those times when Oviedo wasn't on the bench. Would you brought him on in the derby? I don't know. I mean, that's we, we don't know enough about him. Uh, you know, he, he had Stones and Heitinger on the bench there. Not... Neither of them, you'd say, you could trust at left-back. So it forced them to shuffle. But if Oviedo was on the bench there... The fact is, though, he's not making the bench. He's not good enough. He's not good. He's not deemed good enough to be on the bench. He's not deemed good enough. You know, I've not seen anything in the lad, to be honest, that's made me think he is an ideal left-back replacement. I think if you don't go with the body option, the only other option I can see is... Bring Stones or Heitinger in the centre half and put this down out at left back. That was so. That's option. I'd say option number three because we've got Oviedo was option number two. Um, so option number three would put you know Stones, Heitinger, Alcaraz, who made an appearance for the. He does exist apparently. We still haven't seen him. So. I'm still not believing it. You can you can bring this up every single week in the news section. I'm still not believing it until I see him. Okay, um, so anyway, bring a centre back in and put Distan at left back, which we've seen before. Um, so that's an option, but obviously we, we lose a lot of our attacking threat if that happens. So it's going to be interesting. Um, what I, about Hibbert at right back and Coleman at left back? I'd rather the other way around. Yeah, I don't want. I, I don't think we should go anywhere near either of them options. By the way, I um, going back to what, like Oviedo. Uh, I, I don't think he's versatile enough to make the bench. Do you know what I mean? You've well, got you say that, but surely he can play left-back, left-midfield, and possibly sort of central midfield if need be. But I don't think he's as versatile an option as Stones, who can do right, centre, or centre-mid, possibly. You know, if you're talking about versatility, you've got Heisinger who can do the same. Yeah, but why why have Heitinger and Stones on the bench if they both do exactly the same job? They both cover the same roles. Why not have that extra versatility in Oviedo? I tell you why. Because he's not good enough. Possibly. I'm I'm just uh, I'm just putting out there, devil's advocate. And from what I've seen of him, he's by no means a replacement for Baines. Uh, no. Good enough. But he could come in and do the best job uh, in the in the club. Wise, you know, options that we've got. He could be the second best left back. Am I right in saying Alcaraz can play left back? I thought he was a left sided central defender. Whether that translates to him being able to play left back. Well, isn't that what Sylvan Distan is? Yeah. But I don't know. I don't think he's got. Uh, Distan's got a bit of pace and strength. I don't. I'm not sure if Alcaraz. Anyway, has. I'm being pulled into the. the the, the trap there that Alcaraz actually exists so I'm not I'll take that back I'll wait to see, I'm, I'm going to wait to see him before I decide whether he can play so we, we talked about a number of options anyway another option might be I, I, I don't really want to see Barry playing there because I think him and McCarthy have got that really good partnership in the middle I thought he did well left back when he switched yeah but uh, you know that's one game I don't think I, I, don't, I want to see him where he's mo- most influential and that's in the middle uh, and d- d- another option would be three centre backs Coleman playing that uh, wing-back on the right and maybe Oviedo playing the wing-back on the left. Which, so there's not as much defensive pressure on him. I, 
you're, but you're still losing a player there, then aren't you? You're losing maybe Pinar or, or, or you are losing another player to, to that formation. Possibly, possibly, yeah. So, but it's another option, and I would stick with the current system. I'm going to slightly disagree with you. I would like to see Barry go to left back. The next few games that we've got coming up, um, you know, the home games anyway, I believe, are winnable. Uh, but we have got United and, and Arsenal away, haven't we? So I definitely. It's, it's diff- I mean, you'd want to see Barry in the middle for that, but you'd also you'd want to see this down at centre half. So. I don't know, maybe Obieda is the only option. So final, what seems to be the final option uh, is a lad who is one of our left-backs and he scored on loan, on loan watch uh, this weekend, Luke Garber. Is he worth a recall? Is it, Can we recall him? You know, It's not a fee one, is it? Lower league clubs don't really do that. We extended it for another month, so I wouldn't have thought it was a fee-paid one. From what I know about the terms of his loan agreement, which are absolutely nothing, I haven't got a clue. But as you say, I think it's a rolling loan rather than a you know a fixed date loan with a fee. So I think he can be recalled. Um, is he good? Is he ready? That that's the problem now. I mean, you know, I'm gonna do uh, not better, just better name drop here. Uh, I remember speaking to Kevin Sheedy earlier this year, uh, probably the tail end of last season. It was. And I asked him about Gar because of all the rumours going on with Baines. Uh, and and Sheedy said he didn't think the lad was ever going to make the grade or be good enough to play for the first team. So, I mean, who knows? Uh, young players, they can kick on, can't they? And, and, you know, his period out on loan, he seems to be doing very well out on loan. So, is it good, would you like to see him start against United and Arsenal away? This, this is a tricky one, right? Does a, a first team player play an out of position? Warrant playing in that position more than a player who's playing in that position, you know, for a lower lower league side. Surely, you know, we, both have got the merits. It's it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, I think the one thing this highlights is that we definitely need another left back, don't we? We need even if we keep Bainty, we need another left back from somewhere. Even you know, e- even somebody who's coming towards the tail end of the career. You know, somebody in there who's reliable, uh, somebody or somebody who can cover all the back four. Someone like a, you know, like a Phil, like a Phil Neville kind of character. Obviously, he's retired, but you know, somebody who could come in and do a job. And we haven't got that, unfortunately. Yeah, it's going to be interesting now, and we'll, we'll find out on Saturday. I'm sure we will. Get it, get get David Unsworth in there. He's back at the club. Yeah, uh, he, he might need some work on his fitness, to be honest, before we decide on that. Uh, but talking about uh, players like David Unsworth, who, who are battering rams and you know, a rhino, we move on to Lukaku, I believe. Lukaku? Yeah, is that next? Come on, we'll jump a couple of stories. Let's go to Lukaku, because it sort of fitted in with my battering ram. I thought you were going to go to what was actually next up, which was Kevin Morales. I was thinking, how are you going no, to link that? He's put one bad tackle in. He's not a battering ram. Uh, and he's definitely not like David Dunsworth. Uh, now, let's, let's, I want to talk a little bit about Lukaku. When i um, starting to hear more and more stories, that you may want to stay at Everton. Yeah, so he, he, he said that that moment when he scored the third goal was the best moment of his career. So far, he also said that the actual the whole the game in itself was his best experience ever in club football. Yeah, uh, and also couple that with the fact that Chelsea have been linked with a, a move for Falcao again. 
in and January. It, and it's made to rumours coming out of Stamford Bridge that they will sell Lukaku. Uh, the reason I moved on to this story from Baines is because there's quite a bit of story of sort of media chatter going around that we may use the proceeds from the Baines sale uh, to fund a move for Lukaku on a permanent basis. Um, I think Romelu is starting to fall in love with Evan. Yeah, well, we we talked that we said it might happen, and I'm not counting our chickens by any stretch of the imagination. We would need to spend around 25 million on him because Chelsea signed him for 20 million. He's done nothing to harm his value since then, so at least. So, uh, does that just put a full stop to anything? 25 million. If we can get 20 million for Baines, though, we'll spend them off 5 million on him. But we'd have to replace Baines. Would, would we? Because have we not already paid a three million pound loan fee? So would we not get some sort of discount from Chelsea for that? Maybe off the end fee because we've already given them a big chunk of them this season. I'm sure some deal could be agreed. Um, let's get it done, eh? Let's just get it done. But you know, that's immense. We talked about this last week and week before. Um, they're sniffing around a certain young talent of ours, Ross Barkley, who's been. Uh, valued around the same kind of price. Ross is going nowhere. But, you know, that really does pose the question. If we're wanting Lukaku for 25 million and they're wanting Barkley for around 20, 25 million, you know, it's, it's maths, isn't it? Ross is going nowhere. Right. So, but that, it's interesting now, isn't it? I mean, it's going to keep... I think this one's going to go right at the end of the season, isn't it? About, you know, where is Lukaku's future? Yeah. <laughs> the funny story... Or non-story, as it may be. Just that this is probably purely a Facebook rumour. And, and it's a, a complete non-starter, but it's worth a, worth a mention. We have been linked with the loan sign, and also from Chelsea, of one matter. One matter, yeah. Did this rumour start from somebody who was playing championship manager at home? Was it one of these rumours? And said, who can I link Everton with? Hmm... People might not believe Messi or Ronaldo. What matter? Yeah, I think, why don't we go for him? He was only like player of the season last year. Well, it's not going to happen. But, you know, we've got, we've, we've got the relationship now, which probably isn't a good one. Uh, we've got Bobby M, who's Spanish. That's and Jose Mourinho, who's, who's Portuguese. No, but Matter's Spanish. Oh, right, oh, right, I see this now. So, where's Matter going to... Why do, would we need Matter at the moment when we've got Delafeu who can't get a game? I know obviously because he's a million walk, times better. Yeah, I know obviously he'd walk straight into our team, but probably that's not the position where we need strengthening. And how much is it going to cost us in wages? No, I, I agree. It's, it's, there's no chance it's going to happen. Also, the fact I think are we on our loans loans limit. I, I, this this is a bit of a grey area for me because you know we obviously talked about Kale coming back. We've got Delafeu on loan, Barry on loan, and Lukaku on loan. So that's three loans. Is that is that domestic loans, or you know, can we get uh, another? Can, can we get an overseas loan in, or what? You'd think no. Oh, no, that's two domestic loans. Knowing that we were talking about this, we'd have probably have looked this up. However, um, in our usual uh, prepared selves, we've not looked, so I've got no idea. Um, but I don't. I think it's a complete load of rubbish anyway. Let's not no, even yeah. bother looking this up for this one matter story. Because it's an utter load of cash. Okay, so other transfer rumours which... Uh, this may- is more our level. Maybe a little bit more likely. Uh, we've been sit- uh, linked with Ryan 
Gald, would you say? Ryan Gald is a young, I think he's 19 year old midfielder for Dundee United. He did the biz for me on Champ Manager. Yeah, footy manager, sorry. He's Let me tell you something about Ryan Gald. Apparently, he's the Scottish lineup, Messi. <laughs> that, that, this, is, this is how he's being touted around. Uh, there must now be a Lionel Messi in every single country, do you think so? Yeah. Do you remember when... Do you remember the first time I ever heard this happen was... Do you remember Marian, Michael Owen? Marion Pahaz. Marion Pahaz was Latvian, the, Latvian the Latvian Michael, Michael Owen. Yeah. That was the first time I ever heard that sort of phrase bandied about, but now there's, there's so many Messies, isn't there? Um, you know, Ross Barkley's the scouts, Lionel Messi, maybe. Yeah. Um, but... Apparently this kid's having an absolute barnstorm of the season up in up in Scotland. Uh, wouldn't command a massive fee. I think they're talking about five million, but I'm sure we'd probably get that on some sort of instalments deal. Um, and apparently there's a couple of good players up at Dundee United who are interested in him being the, the most prominent. And, and he is deemed as being easily the most promising talent in Scottish football at the moment. Since James McFadden. Since James McFadden and Stephen Naismith. <laughs> Stephen Naismith, yeah. Um, also, uh, we've been linked again this week with Aidan McGeady, who's uh, was it, is he at Spartak. He's at Celtic now at Spartak, yeah. And his, his contract's up soon, so I think he's been linked with a move in January. Right. But again, okay. small fee, just give them a bit of money before the end of his... Possibly, possibly, so... Can he play left-back? I, I think he can, you know. No, I don't think he can. Where does he play? He's a winger, isn't he? Yeah, he's a winger. I think he can play both sides of the pitch, but he's an attacking midfielder. Um, and I don't know this fella's first name, but us and the Shades have been linked with him. Envila. Envila, yeah. The French international. Um, his name's been bandied around for a long, long time, hasn't it? You know, for a move to a big English club. Apparently, um, he, was at, he was at the match on Saturday, uh, and Liverpool thought he'd signed him. And we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was just there to watch Sacco play, and Sacco didn't play anyway, so... Right, okay, well, he, he spent money wisely there then. Um, again, he, he's one of them names. I'm sure he'll probably land in January at some point with some club, but, you know, I, I wouldn't... Where's he going to play for us if he's in centre-mid? Is he going to oust Barkley or Barry? I don't think so. Unless no. Barry's our new left-back and he's our new midfield enforcer. Um, final bit of news. Morales for his, uh, his 50-50 challenge, which he did no damage at all, won't be facing an FA charge. Good. Yeah. Well, was it fair challenge? What's up with them? I, I've, they've changed the rules now because um, the rule used to be if the ref saw it and uh, deemed that it was worth a booking or not worth a booking, then uh, you couldn't be brought up on a charge anyway. Have they changed that rule? No, I think that's the understanding. But I also thought that the FA knew that Morales was just following their directive of kicking racism out of football. Yeah. Well said. Okay, and that's it. that's it for the only other bit of news that we've got is uh, Paul, our mate since 1878, once again, has got an amazing deal this weekend with a few tickets left, So, but you need to get in touch with us as soon as possible on this for the Stoke game. I think the ticket stands now for, um, for a match ticket, uh, a five-hour bar, a bite to eat, and the company of Neville Southall. Uh, so you get a meet and greet, uh, and you know his reflection on a Stoke game, a little bit about his past at Everton. Um, I think he's now doing it at fifty pound, not fifty five. Fifty pound. Fifty five last week. Well, you know, you to, I'm not sure if his tickets have changed, but it's now fifty pound 
So you need to get in touch with us as soon as possible because, you know, it's an amazing offer. There are now a few specs left at £50. Anyone who's already paid for specs, by the way, and have paid £55, uh, we will give you the sign Neville Southall picture thrown in as well so you're not out of pocket. Um, and it's going to be £55 for the, the next three games coming up as well. Um, Stoke, Stoke's the one this weekend. Uh, Sunderland, Southampton and Fulham. Yep. So we're not sure on the we can't confirm the players on them yet. Fulham we think is Joe Parkinson. Ah, boss boss talker and just a great laugh. Yeah, always does a you know, always gets the hairs on the back of your neck standing up with some of his stories about his time flying in on tackles and derbies and on Paulins. Um so if you're a fan of Joe Parkinson and you want a, a cheap ticket to the the Fulham game, uh, fifty five pound all in. This is the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. If you haven't already, go and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash EFC, Not Bitter, Just Better. Or you can find us on Twitter at Just Better EFC. So after the, uh, the craziness and the pressure of the, the derby, it's back to a normal business this weekend. And uh, we've got another home game. Uh, this time it's Stoke on Saturday. And we, we welcome some proper fans to Goodison. Stoke fans? Well, see, have you ever met any Stoke fans? More proper than uh, those be, ones across the park. be the first time I've ever been called proper, though. Um, yeah, so it's, you know, back onto the trailer games that hopefully, if we've got any aspirations this season, we should be winning. Um, I don't know what your thoughts what, what, what I'd like to think so. I'd like to think so. Obviously, the new man in charge, Mark Hughes, former Blue, a man we've been linked with uh, a few times over the years, is coming in. Uh, to take charge of Everton, but he's probably found the type of club where he, he's, it's more fitting for him, really, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, probably about the right level for him. They seem a good fit at the moment, Stoke and Mark Hughes. Um, they're just coming off the back of a victory last weekend. Uh, they beat Sunderland 2-0 at home, uh, but everybody seems to beat Sunderland nowadays, don't they? So they got a bit of a helping hand in that one as well. That Wes Brown sending off was the worst sending off I've ever seen. They did, so, I mean, you know... Can you get a good judgment of the current four after beating a ten-man Sunderland team? I doubt it. Uh, there was goals from Charlie Adam, which was the penalty. Was that following the sending off? Was it? Uh, was it a penalty? Was it a penalty? No, it's Enzonzi. Uh, went up and uh, laid it into his path in a nice little place, yeah. and Enzonzi scored the second as well. Got that was a good finish. That got one. The second. He's, he's a good player, Enzonzi. I mean, we've been linked to him in the past, haven't we? He's an underrated player who never. Showed a lot of promise, but then never really seemed to kick on to his full potential. But he is a decent player in Zondi, I do like him. Um, and uh, looking at the way they normally line up, um, you know, it's a typical sort of Mark Hughes formation. Uh, they usually play four at the back, two older midfielders, uh, and then sort of, you know, similar to, to our style, really. Uh, in the last game, he had Crouch up front uh, with Charlie Adam just behind him. So Crouch, whether you love him or he's always a handful. He is. And, you know, he's got a good touch, even though he's like a scarecrow. He's got a good touch. Uh, and it's amazing how many, you know, how, how few times he actually head, does head the ball. Because, you know, he, he's got, he brings it into touch with his uh, chest and big long legs and got a really good, good control. Um, and his, Walter's playing off him. Um, you know, we had a bit of a go at earlier on in the season because he missed that penalty against Liverpool. Um, the, th- the thing is with Crouch, though, I mean, he's not going to provide 
a new problem to Jagielka and Distan because they've both played against them a million times before, haven't they? So he's not going to be any sort of surprise package against them. They should be able to deal with his aerial threat pretty easily, I would have thought. Um, so I personally, I can't see anything other than an Everton win. Um, I'm going to. I think that's probably going to be highlighted in my Mark Maxman to watch this week. Um, it's probably not a surprise to a lot of people, but I'm going to choose um, Stokes goalkeeper, Asmir Begovic. Yeah. Um, I put. It, I think he's probably one of the top three goalkeepers in the league. Um, you know, Hugo Lloris is well, apart from last week when he let six in, uh, is looking probably the top keeper in the league at the moment. But I, I put you know Begovic up there, sort of in the same bracket. I think he's a great keeper. I think he's wasting at a club like Stoke. Um, and I think he'll, he'll be difficult to beat as he always is, uh, but I think we can do it. So I'm going to go for, I think probably a two 0 win to Evan. Yeah, well, we'd have that last season. We got a one 0 win, and if you can remember, it was a, a Kevin Morales super solo goal running pretty much the length of the, the pitch before calmly finishing. Great goal, was a great goal. Remember it well. Um, what can you see? Any? I know we've discussed what we think may be the changes in the side um, due to Baines's injuries. Can you see any other changes? Can you see any maybe unenforced changes? Just trying to freshen it up a little bit. Again, maybe maybe Osman for Pina, but no. Other than that, no. I think Barkley's done enough to keep his his place. Uh, so does Delafayu start for you? Oh, this, see, this is this is what people are crying out for, and now. I'm willing to say I want to see him start. Whereas I wasn't before, it was like, you know, I'll get behind him if he starts. I want to see him start. I want to see what he can do. Um, maybe maybe him come in for Pinar or put Pinar in the middle. And like you say, if he shuffles Barry to the left, I think it will all depend on who he plays at left back. Do you think this is a game where, obviously, we know what Stoke's reputation is? We know they've got a number of big lads. You know, we know there's always. Hooth and Shawcross and the rest of them are always going to be a near battle. Um, is this a game where you think we need to play McCarthy and Barry both in the centre? Yeah. It is? Yeah. Um, do you think then, in that case, with the aerial threat from Couch, you think we need this down in the middle as well, the centre-half? Would you like to see John Stones, for instance, play up against Peter Crouch? No, I, I don't think I would. He's, he's a tall lad, Stones, but he's... He, he's I mean, Couch is you know, a big skinny lamp. You know, but he's, he's uh, Stones is still filling out, and I don't think it'd be a good um, good matchup for him this early in his career. Uh, so yeah, I think you've got it right there. Distan and Jags, I think you, you should see them in the centre. But and even you know from set pieces, Shawcross and, uh, and Hooth, you know, they're the real danger. So. I've just got, I've got a sneaking feeling if we do go with Barry at left back and we maybe put Pinar in the middle and we do play Delafeu. I've said this for a while now. I think we've been threatening to batter the team at some point, and I think this you know if we went attacking and we really went at Stoke, didn't give them a chance to get into the game, you know, scored early. This could be the team that we hammer. Well, I hope so. I'm going to go two 0 uh, but I think there's potential there for you know a really good victory to give us a bit of momentum going into the game against Manchester United, which is next Wednesday evening. Um, so 
Will we record another podcast before that game? Hopefully, hopefully, and we'll we we'll, we should have a little bit of build up uh, and probably a little bit of post match reflection. Maybe depending on when we get to record it. So, uh, and yeah, so Stoke, bring it on Saturday. You know the atmosphere. You know after the derby should still be buzzing, um, and you know we should we should be able to, as as you said, we should be able to get a decent enough performance in there and hopefully win. Yeah. And it'll be good to uh, to see Big Nev after the game as well. Neville Southall, yeah. So he's always refreshing. <laughs> nice comments from him. Hopefully we can get one or two words from him on the podcast because that's literally probably all you get out of him is one or two words. Um, but uh, no, I love the big man. He's uh, you know he's always amusing to say the least, isn't he? Yep. So talking about one big man, we have a quick word from Bob now. He really recommends this podcast that you should all listen. Oh, you are listening. Um, and then we'll come back with a, a, an Everton great in our next rendition of the Not Bitter, Just Better Hall of Fame. This is Bob Latchman. I'm Not Bitter, Just Better. Yeah, it's not, as we said before, it's now time for our weekly entrance into the Not Bitter, Just Better Hall of Fame. Uh, and this week is one of those ones that, you know, possibly some people may not agree with. However, um, I think it's one that's poignant uh, and it's very relevant to the date it is today. Uh, unfortunately, today marks the two-year anniversary of the passing of Gary Speed, uh, which was a great loss to the Blue community. Uh, and due to that, uh, we've decided today to, to put Gary Speed into the, the Hall of Fame. Yeah, as you mentioned then, it's not just a loss to the blue community. I think he's a loss to the football community, the football world. He, he, he made more Premier League appearances than anyone uh, when he finished his career. Uh, I think did, you're going to talk about his uh, personal accolades. Um, he didn't have, have the best of times at the Blues, but he was a blue through and through. And we knew that for years from this time, uh, before he even joined Everton. He was very famously an Evertonian and he, he managed to come to the club for a little while. And, you know, the, the fact that he passed away, you know, two years ago today, obviously we're recording on the Wednesday, um, it, it's just very, very sad. And I, th- I think it's, you know, it's our, our way of, you know, paying tribute to him. It is, and I don't want this to be, you know, to dwell on what happened at the end of his life, unfortunately, so... We'll, we'll get that out of the way. Two years ago today, obviously, we all know the, the tragic times that that, that took place uh, at, that led to, to Gary taking his own life. We'll probably never know the truth of why that happened uh, or be able to understand what led them to do that. Um, but what I want to do is have, is have this little piece on him to be you know, a celebration of his, his career, really. Uh, so we're going to do it in the same light-hearted way as we always do it. Yeah, OK, go for it. Um, so, Gary Speed, middle name. William. No, think more Welsh. Owen. No, with Andrew. A, with it's not really Welsh at all, Scottish, but there you go. So, Gary Andrew Speed was born the 8th of September 1969. And he was born in... Real. Mancot. Never heard of it. You've never heard of Mancot? No, never heard of it. You're messing. Is that like a, like a cop book for men? 
Possibly, I've never heard of it either. Man caught in Wales. Um, as we all know, he was a, a central midfielder by trade. Um, and he started his career, uh, as again, we all know, at, at Leeds United, which was a club he came through as a kid at a time when uh, Leeds were actually half decent. Yeah, so wasn't he? Didn't he like it was like left centre, but played on a left wing a little bit. Coming up, he was a bit of a winger, starting out and then moved into the centre over the years. From what I, from what I remember, no, you did right. He, he was versatile uh, throughout the midfield, uh, but more sort of left sided. Um, he made his Leeds debut in 1988 uh, and played for them for eight years through to 1996. He made 248-odd appearances uh, and scored 40-odd goals for Leeds. Um, and I think we all, I always remember him as, like, you know, sort of a bit of a Ryan Giggsish, wasn't he? Like, he had, like, curly hair, he was Welsh. I, he, he was he was one of the... It, before there was, like, um, you know, like the David Beckhams. And he, he was a model for Top Man, I remember. In, in, in the strand, yeah, top man in Bootle strand, yeah, yeah. In, in the strand, and it was him big, and Trevor Sinclair, big life size posters of them, like modelling top man's wares. That was just a long time ago, isn't it? Because there's top man in, in the strand. That was a long, yeah, a long time ago. Um, as you say, like a gigsy kind of thing, like fashionable. Uh, the girls loved him, and yeah, and and I believe you know at Leeds, um, they, they picked Manuta. To win a, 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 a the first division championship, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, we've probably got long, younger listeners listening to this podcast who, who can't believe that Leeds ever won, you know, the top flight division. But they did, not as recently as 1992, so just um, before the Premiership came into being, they won the last ever first division. The last, the last so season, yeah, and, and it was a, you know, it was a, it was a decent side, wasn't it? Like say Gary McAllister, I think Gordon Strachan, Gordon Strachan, yeah, Gordon there. Strachan, uh, Eric Cantona. Uh, Possibly, I think Lee Chapman was possibly there as well. Uh, and but he, had, but he did have a few players, and Gary, Gary Speed was one of the ones that stood out. Was Lucas Radderby there at that time? I don't think he was. was. I think that was a little bit later. That later, yeah. Um, so obviously, yeah. You, I mean, he won the league title in 1992 at Leeds. Leeds, at, you know, sort of declined a little bit after that. And in 1996, uh, he got his boyhood dream really and joined the club he supported uh, as a kid uh, at time for Evan. Was it for five million? It was uh, for a fee around about five million, from what I can remember. Yeah. Yeah, and before long, you know, he was club captain. He was. He was, and you know, getting a regular start and bit. In fact, wasn't it three point five million? It I'm could have been. To think back. I'm sure. Yeah, it was three point five million that we signed him for, uh, and he was obviously signed by Joe Royal. Uh, and he made his debut on the 17th of August 1996 and can you remember what happened in that game? Did he score? He scored against Newcastle uh, Ironic Ironic yeah. he would then go on to play for them um, He once scored a hat-trick for Everton as well I know well I think this I, I was gutted about this game was it against uh, was it a 7-1 win? It was and was it it was a club beginning with S and it was either Southampton or Sunderland It I'm was Southampton go, Yeah I was going to go for Sunderland, and I missed the game. I was absolutely gutted. It was our biggest win in like many, many, many a year, and I missed the game because I was sick. And do you know, I know you missed that game because Cause, cause I went the game on your ticket. <laughs> ah, gutted. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and he finished that season. Uh, what this was, nineteen ninety six. 
Speed finished as Everton's joint top scorer along with Duncan Ferguson that year. Hmm. On 11 goals. Nice goal, yeah. And he was also voted Everton's player of the year for his performances at the first season. Yeah, well, he was a, he was a good player. He was a good player for us. Um, and you know, you're going to tell us how many appearances he made. And in a little bit, I will. But I just going back on to having a look at his second season. Uh, obviously, in, in that summer between uh, '96 and '97, um, obviously Joe Royal stepped down. Howard Kendall took the reins of the club again, um, and he nominated Speed as the new club captain. Uh, however, and this is where it start, starts to turn sour for him at Everton a little bit, there was quite a lot of grumblings that you know Kendall and Speed didn't really see eye to eye and had a bit of a falling out. Um, and then he, a short Everton career, really, I suppose you could say, ended um, when he played his last game for the club on the 18th of January in 1998, uh, when he scored in a 3-1 win over Chelsea. Was he stripped of the captaincy? I, I, you know, this is a long time ago, so I, I can't remember all of it. Um, I, I think there were murmurings as well about not getting on with uh, Peter Johnson at the time. There was just a lot of uh, there was a lot of rumours going around. With it. There was a lot of rumours, um, and he was sold to Newcastle for five and a half million. That was probably where you got the yeah. five million from before. Um, and the reasons have never really become clear as to why he left. Um, in an interview he did with the Liverpool Echo at the time of leaving, uh, Speed is quoted as saying, You know why I'm leaving, but I can't explain myself publicly because it would damage the good name of Everton Football Club and I'm not prepared to do that. So that kind of hints at maybe something to do with Howard Kendall because, I don't know, is that what, would you say that to you? There's, there's been a lot of rumours over the years, hasn't it? And I mean... <laughs> We, I think we have to, we, you know, we're going to have to bring this up. You know, after he left Everton, there were certain sections of the fan base who, you know, maybe didn't give him the respect he deserved. No, it, it's, it's the way it is in football. And you know, we, we, if you wanted, you wanted a bit of honesty, and you know, it might not have been good for the club, but people, rightly or wrongly, wanted honesty. And the fact that um, the club or Gary weren't willing to do that. It just left a sour taste, unfortunately, and you know that that was his, his lasting memory at Everton. Unfortunately, um, used unfortunately twice there, but it is it's a very unfortunate situation because he was a boiled blue, and we've we've had you know one of Paul's uh, since eighteen seventy eight one of Paul's nights, and I won't say the player because I'm not sure if this is it's meant to be out there or whatever, but it was somebody who Gary Speed was close to, um, it's internationally, so take take that what you will. But he said the main reason that he left Everton Football Club was just because he didn't really settle. So, you, you know, people don't necessarily fit. He loved the club. He supported them as a boy. He was club captain. But sometimes these things happen. Um, so between 96 and 98, uh, Gary made 58 appearances for Everton uh, and scored 15 goals. Uh, Good going for midfielder. It is. And, as, and then as we, we've already mentioned, he then went on to Newcastle. Uh, I made a, t- a whopping 213 appearances at Newcastle, um, scored a 25 for them. He then went on to Bolton and made another 121 appearances. Well, that, that, that seemed to be in the twilight of his career, and you wouldn't have thought that, would you? When he no, went he from Newcastle, was the best player, wasn't he? You, when he went from Newcastle, you'd have thought, that's it, you know, he's just going to play the odd game here and there. And he just became, you know, their star player, as you just said. And 
You know, he was just an ultimate professional over the years, and his fitness was unbelievable. He was playing so well past he was 40, wasn't he? Yeah. After, after Bolton, even. Well, then he went on to Sheffield United and made another 37 appearances and only ended his playing days there because he became manager. Yeah, so, you know, that didn't last too long. So if he'd have carried, you know, if that management job hadn't come up, he could still be, you know, he could have still been playing. So in total, um, you're looking at 677 appearances and 103 goals. So this is, that's post, um, you know, 42 game season as well. That's 13, you know, 38 game season uh, since the Premiership. So, really, you know, players, you know, in a squad rotation game these days, and, you know, players get rested for having a bruise on the shin. It's unbelievable. It, it is, it is. Uh, and, you know, what was a very, very good player. Looked like he was about to become a very, very good manager. Uh, he started, as we say, uh, taking on the reins at Sheffield United, where he was as a player and a coach. Um, and he, he did very well with Sheffield United before being given... Uh, the Wales job pretty much straight away and it was deemed to be you know a really bright hope for the future of Welsh football yeah and uh, that you know he, he still held that position up to his untimely uh, passing two years ago and it just really was I mean I remember where I was I, when I think you, you used to do these bearer of bad news things and I was out in Southport and I got the text off you about it and it's just and I couldn't believe it. Absolutely couldn't believe it. Listen to the radio on the way home, and it was just—it's just really, really, really shocking news. And uh, I think at the time as well, there was, there was an outpouring of love from 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 Everton, wasn't it? I know all the clubs he played for, you know, Newcastle, Leeds, the, and 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 football in general. There was there was a great deal of solidarity uh, about the support for Galley Speed. Um, but I remember particularly, obviously, being a blue. Um, you know the feeling around our club, and, and you know he was paid a number of fitting tributes at all by by Evan. Yeah, and you know it, it's still it's still sad, still sad today to think about it. And you know you talk about his, his play, and you said he was a very good player from Everton. I remember he had a very good touch, uh, good with both feet, good engine up and down. I think what most stood out um, uh, for him was an amazing ability to get above people, even like more beyond the likes of Tim Cale. For not a particularly tall fella, I think he was 5'11", maybe just 6 foot. He used to jump about 6 foot 8 <laughs> um, size, so he'd be sometimes, you know, jumping in there alongside the likes of Duncan Ferguson and, you know, getting the amount of headers he scored was just, you know, again, coming from midfield, unbelievable. He had that midfield scoring that. 15 goals in 15, 58 appearances from midfield. You know what would what would you give? You know you'd have to that'd get you. You know you'd have to pay 15 million for that now. Yeah, and I mean you look at his honours. He's won a league championship medal. Uh, he's won a charity shield winners medal. Uh, he was a beaten finalist in the league cup. Uh, he lost two FA Cup finals, unfortunately. Um, so you know he's had a career that that's that's come with honours. Uh, he also made the PFA Team of the Year in 1993. Um, and I think probably if you spoke to Gally, the thing he was probably most proud of was, was his Wales career, really. Although Wales never particularly set the world alight. Um, Gally made 85 appearances for Wales and is probably, you know, he's right up there with Ryan Giggs, isn't he? As in, you know, one of the greatest Welsh players to ever... ever definitely, played. definitely, definitely go there. Um, so, yeah, so Gally goes into the Hall of Fame. Um, again... 
I don't want to dwell too much on, on, on the loss, um, but he was taken from us far too early, uh, and I'm sure he would have gone on to do great things in football had, had he I, I s- not have happened. I said to you before, I, I could, could have seen him going on to be involved at Everton again, despite, you know... You know the possible future Everton manager? Yeah, I, or you know, some, some kind of role, uh, possible manager. Yeah, I, I could see that, you know, you know Everton. We, it might have been a sour which I, I don't really want to talk about too much, we sour the way he left, but we would have took him back with open, open arms as a manager. Um, you know, it, it's just so sad to think that he's no longer with us still. Um, At the end yeah. of the day, it's once a blue, always a blue. And whether you're, you know, you're on this planet or you're up somewhere else, um, you'll always be a blue to us, Gary. Yeah, rest in peace, mate, and welcome to the Not Better, Just Better Hall of Fame. And that's about it from us again. Uh, not bitter, just better. I want to thank everyone for listening, as always. And I want to say, as I always do, which probably bores the pants off everyone, that if you are listening on SoundCloud or Podbean, you can subscribe to us on the iTunes store. Just search Not Bitter, Just Better. And hopefully we can pick up three points on Saturday against Stoke and we can have a, a, a nice, cheerful podcast next week. Yeah, we'll be recording Tuesday next week, hopefully, so we should have a, a double preview of the games against Man United, because I'm going to Old Trafford next Wednesday, I'm looking forward to that. should be interesting to see uh, the reaction towards David Moyes. I think it'll be a bit naughty. Marouane Fellaini. Um, so I think Fellaini will, be, will get a decent enough. I think so. Um, so we'll be back with a preview for of next week's game and, and all our usual news and review of the Stoke game. Um, and that's about it for this week, I think. Yeah, it's been an interesting one. Yeah, a lot of derby preview, but we came through relatively unscathed. Unfortunately, didn't get the win, but oh well, just next time. And are we going to give this podcast a title? It's number 19. I can't think of any number 19s apart from Mark Ottinger. It's the Mark Ottinger podcast then. <laughs> That's what this edition's going to be known as. Uh, we'll see you next week, people.